Welcome, boys and girls. Thank you so much for tuning in. Good to see you all. Henrik here with Red Ice TV. We're back today for another interview. Now, it was a while ago since we uh, did that, actually. Uh, we certainly haven't forgotten about that, but we've been focusing on uh, No Go Zone, Flashback Friday, Weekend Warrior, shorter videos and things like that. But I do want to get back into the uh, interview groove, as it were, get some good guests on, talk about what's going on. We have a lot of other ideas here, um, proposals we've gotten from you guys. Uh, we've received from uh, some books and things from um, some new publishers that we want to uh, reach out to the authors of. So uh, this, this is we've definitely not forgotten about the interviews. But uh, to kind of, I guess, break us in here then uh, in the year, it's already March, crazy, crazily enough. But uh, due to the move, we've uh, everything has been kind of postponed a bit. Uh, but to uh, get us back, as it were, into the uh, interview trail here, uh, we have uh, none other than uh, Jared Taylor joining us. How's it going, Jared? Good to see you. Oh, thank you very much for inviting me on. Things are going very well, thank you. Excellent. I think I thrive in confinement. I must be a mushroom. <laughs> how's, it, how's it going in uh, Nor uh, Virginia overall with the uh, lockdowns and things like that right now? Is it starting to ease up or is it about the same? It's about the same, although there may be some loosening of regulations uh, within the next month or so. They're talking about that possibility. Neighboring Maryland has taken a few regulations off, but no, it's still pretty strict. Pretty, pretty strict. It is. Yeah. I imagine things are a little freer out in the West. Uh, yeah, it is. I mean, th that's one thing. Uh, one of the reasons, of course, why I wanted to go here to uh, Idaho, uh, because it was just, you know, none of the mask mandates. There are some areas. It depends on what county you're in. I mean, there's even it, that's even true, I guess, in some states. I mean, Florida, some counties are very free. You know, they haven't uh, done too much with the lockdowns. Uh, so it depends on what county you end up. Uh, but here is definitely been, I don't know if you saw the, uh, there was a little bit of a mask burning ceremony up in both in Boise, but also in Coeur d'Alene. And it went all yes. across the mainstream media and there were, the, the liberals were hyperventilating that we dared to, to uh, burn <laughs> our masks, you know. <laughs> well, if you'd been burning bras, that would have been different. That would have <laughs> been okay. Yeah. That would have been fine, you know. And so they likened yes. it to, I guess, some book burning uh, or something like that from the 1930s. <laughs> but then ironically, what I think it was literally just the following day or so, you actually had a... Uh, book serving, uh, book burning ceremony over in uh, was it San Jose or San, uh, one of those in California uh, of Dr. Sue's books. I'm, I'm sure you saw the story. Oh, I didn't see an actual burning. Gosh, did they really do that? I mean, uh, it's certainly the case that uh, half a dozen of the books, uh, the Seuss Foundation, which makes, by the way, uh, $20 million a year in revenues, uh, they decided to pull six of them off, uh, uh, off of, of sales. And even people who had old copies that were selling for a tidy profit, some for several hundred dollars, Amazon decided that uh, anything written by this wicked man had to be pulled off immediately. Exactly. Oh, it's, it's extraordinary. And, and I, I thought if people actually started burning them, people would mock that because they would say that was Nazi Germany in the 30s. But they went ahead and did it. They, yeah. uh, they, they, can't, uh, they can't see what's going on, I guess. They, they're too blinded <laughs> by their own uh, hatred, I, I would assume. Now, we no, have, sen no sense of irony. No, yes. no, ex exactly. And, and you know, we, we know that you can't even make a joke these days with these people. They, uh, they take everything literally, what you say, and things like that. Um, I wanted to, we, so we have a, a few things lined up here. And, and uh, well, either we can talk about it now or a little bit later in the show. It doesn't really matter. But one of the things I know you wanted to talk about before we dive into some of the topics, you know, Biden, we're going to talk about uh, some of the, the, the economic situation, some kind of how dissidents overall are being targeted and things like that now, especially after January 6th. Uh, after the uh, the riot there at the Capitol, but you mentioned you had uh, you're you're doing a feature on the website where you're reaching out to people to t to have them describe or explain how they woke up to the issue of of uh, of race. T tell us a bit about this. Yes, yes, it's been a very popular regular weekly feature on our website. Uh, Chris Roberts has been handling this, and what we do is we get. 
uh, essays written by our readers that explain how it is they finally saw through the fog and understood the, rea the reality of race. And people are fascinated by the stories that they tell. And we'd love to have contributions from your viewers. And the best way to reach us is either to write to uh, Chris Roberts directly at roberts at amran.com. That's R-O-B-E-R-T-S, roberts at amran.com. Or you can uh, send us queries or stories to uh, amran.com at the Contact Us page. And uh, uh, it's probably best to send a query first. But if you'd like to write something, we like short, uh, oh, maybe four or 500 words at the most, a tight, well-written pieces that explain what it was that finally woke you up to the realities of race. Again, this has been a really popular feature that has been superintended by Chris Roberts, and we would love for some of the viewers of Red Ice TV to send us some of their ideas. I'm sure you have a, a very, very interesting group of viewers who would have quite fascinating stories to tell. Yeah, I think we do. And we've heard from people over the years as well, because we didn't began speaking about these topics. We talk much more about conspiracies and esoteric topics and things like this. And then eventually, as we saw things were changing, we were always politically interested, obviously. But as things were just derailing and becoming just, I mean, insane on the anti-whiteness. And I remember there were clips coming out of Sweden where they talked about how they wanted to replace us and stuff. It was like, I didn't find the topic, the, the topic found me in a way, right? And 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 the same thing, uh, thing I think it was for a lot of our viewers and, and listeners at the time, who initially maybe were, I think a lot of people were, <laughs> were angry and upset that we dared to talk about this uh, truly controversial and rebellious topics, right? But we've we heard from so many people after that where they said, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, you know, I overreacted. You were right. I can see it now and things like that. And I, and I well, I mean, Henry, yeah, maybe you should send us a submission. Well, maybe I should tell your viewers that uh, anyone who wants to submit under a pen name, that's absolutely fine. Right. We understand that in these evil times, people have to protect themselves. And, and I am proud to say we have never, ever had a security leak at American Renaissance. So your identity is safe with us. Perfect. Perfect. Anything else people should uh, think about or you, you guys are just basically welcoming any uh, any any story, any uh, storyline of, of how, how people came to the topics? Oh, there's so many different ways this happened. Some people served in the military, some people were attacked, uh, some people learned in school how evil white people were, and that brought them to some sense of reality. Another fellow, uh, one of his uh, relatives, was killed by a black man, and it was at his trial, watching the way the other blacks reacted that uh, really opened his mind to what was happening. Many, many different stories. Some people just stumbled onto a book, or some people stumbled onto a website. Uh, but everyone has an interesting story to tell. Uh, and again, it's it's best to send a query, but uh, if you've already got a story in mind, you can write that down. Just maybe maybe three, four hundred words uh, or longer if absolutely necessary. And just come to amran.com at the Contact Us tab or uh, send your email directly to roberts at uh, amran.com. We really look forward to hearing from your viewers. Excellent. Yeah, that sounds very interesting. And uh, I'll definitely keep an eye out on the website for that, too. This is a good feature. And I just, I mean... <sighs> I just don't know how you in 2021, the, the current year, I'm going to use that term, uh, cannot <laughs> yes. see the open and blatant discrimination against white people. It's sanctioned by our largest institutions, by our governments, by our media, by the establishment, by academia. It's encouraged. It's uh, incentivized. I mean, there, there, there's so many examples. You don't even, we don't, yes. where do I even begin, right? But just look at one of these, for example. The, did you see the white farmers bill from this COVID, 1.9 trillion COVID relief bill? 
that Biden signed. Five billion we're going to go to uh, to farmers, but not just any farmers, uh, non-white right. farmers. So white, if you're white as a farmer, you won't get any help. How, how is that not uh, discrimination based on your, uh, well, to use their terminology, skin color, right? Well, it certainly seems illegal to me to single out a racial group in that blatant and obvious way. No, it's it's just extraordinary. The fact is, there has been an enormous handout program for farmers for the last uh, 20 years, really. It started with a completely bogus lawsuit brought by a fellow named Pigford, P-I-G-F-O-R-D. And he alleged that as a black man, he had been he had faced discrimination from the uh, federal farm bureau and uh, as a result uh, he had suffered as a farmer and then this became a class action lawsuit again on completely bogus grounds and so anyone who claimed to have attempted to farm they didn't didn't even have to have documents they could walk in and collect fifty thousand dollars this is the standard check that everybody got this did not get anything like the publicity it deserved so this is an extension of this kind of pigford thinking in which if you ever even thought about being a farmer and you're black, then the government owes you money. If you actually are a farmer, then gosh, ipso facto, you are a victim of years, decades of oppression, and you deserve to have all of your debts to any kind of farm bureau completely wiped out. Not only are they going to do that, they're not only going to wipe out 100% of the debt, they're going to add 15% to cover any kind of transaction costs as well. It's just extraordinary, and wow. it's just for black farmers. Yeah, it's incredible. I remember seeing stories like this. Uh, white people own 98% of rural land. Young black farmers want to, re to want to reclaim their share. Basically, their Mother Jones here is urging white farmers to just hand over their land uh, to uh, to non-white people. And uh, it's kind of like it's we're already at uh, Rhodesia or Zimbabwe, South Africa levels almost in, in the U.S. now. There is a black collective run by a black woman, and uh, she has got the word out. She's up in New England someplace. I can't remember the name of her collective. And she says, we are accepting donations of white-owned farmland. Just sign up here. It, uh, it reminds me of that lady who, uh, the fat black lady, who's giving a talk to a, a group of whites, and she says, here's my PayPal address. Donations accepted anytime from white people. That's the mentality they have. And of course, that's the mentality that our government itself emphasizes and promotes, encourages. No, it, 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 it's head spinning. But as you point out, and I think this is very important, the government and the left have so overplayed their hands that more and more white people are finally waking up to the extraordinary difficulties they find themselves in. And I'm, I'm optimistic despite it all. I'm convinced that 150 million white people are not simply going to walk off the edge of history. But how this will resolve itself, it's difficult to say, and it's not easy to imagine a pleasant and agreeable solution, frankly. No, it's it's true. Uh, it's very, very disheartening. And uh, even in California, uh, things are, I mean, oh, even, I should say, especially in California is a better word, uh, where, where they're kind yes. of spearheading this, really. Uh, but it was, it was getting so bad uh, in some places now that... Uh, White liberals are, are they're, they're, they're aghast at what, what's happening. These new curriculum uh, proposals that they have that they're enforcing, and it's basically just vehement anti-whiteness. And even some of yes. the uh, the liberals are just like, I mean, we've been telling them. We say, hey, listen, this is not this is never going to stop. They're, they're going to attack you just even no matter how much you bow down or agree or whatever. It does not. It's not about that. They'll target you because you're white. Uh, but it is interesting to see that even some of them seem to be uh, uh, taken aback a little bit by the the open hatred. You know. 
Well, you know, uh, I forgot the name of it. There's a northern suburb in Chicago. Uh, it may come to you a little later in the program, but uh, it's a wealthy northern suburb of Chicago. And the city council has proposed a, uh, a, a reparations program on the city level for black households. And the theory is if you lived in this area at a certain time when redlining was involved, they claim redlining is this great, then redlining is now the great uh, horror. That's the way blacks were fleeced of their hard-earned worth. It's something that most people don't know very much about. Very hard to counter that if you don't know the details. In any case, in a period where they, if they lived in this area during a certain period, then they will get money. Well, who is objecting? Is it white people objecting? No, it's a black group that's objecting. And the blacks are saying, no, this is no good. This isn't enough. And you've got to make this money available, not just to people who live there during a certain period, but everyone who's there now, every single black person. And that is, of course, how every proposal for reparations is going to be met. I know that Joe Biden, he has approved the idea of studying the possibility of reparations, whether it's a good idea. We can predict in advance with 100% certainty that the commission will say it's a great idea but as soon as there's even the hint of a concrete proposal the reaction from blacks is going to be no not enough we can never ever do enough no exactly it's um, <clears throat> and, it, and it doesn't matter here's a picture by the way if you saw, that's the one you're thinking of all people are racist paypal me <laughs> right. about, yeah, right. cashing in yes. on, that, on that white guilt you know <clears throat> that's right um, <laughs> anyway, almost thrown off a little bit. Why don't we talk about uh, a, a little bit about Biden's first, um, the first, uh, you know, what is it now? 60 days? How long has it been in 60 days? Something like that? Yes. Um, yes. Uh, and he's been a very busy man. Uh, people accuse him of uh, being practically incapable of putting one foot in front of the other. Uh, I'm not quite sure he's quite reduced to that status, but uh, he's pretty good at waving that pen. And of course, uh, on, on the very day that uh, he was sworn in, he issued an executive, an executive order to stop building the border wall. Now, as it turns out, all Democrats seem to think that this is what Democrats all along have supported, but that's not true at all. Congress in 2006 voted something called the Secure Fence Act to construct a physical infrastructure to prevent unlawful border entry. And the Clinton Clinton administration, the Bush administration, even the Obama administration, unbeknownst to Democrats, actually worked on the wall. And the Trump administration did so as well. But now that's an inhumane thing. And of course, he immediately stopped that. Of course, uh, in the immigration area, the other thing that they did is completely reinstated the whole DACA business. The idea being that if you were brought here under age 18 uh, as an illegal immigrant, then this may be the only country you know, you are an innocent child, and although you are technically speaking a deportable alien, we will not deport you and we'll give you green cards and driver's licenses. And the latest decision by the Biden administration is that the FHA, will guarantee home mortgages for DACA recipients. Okay. You're an illegal immigrant, but if you want to borrow money from a bank to buy a house, then you get an FHA guarantee on your loan. Isn't this wonderful? I remember reading the article, they had this photograph of this happy, happy Hispanic family standing in front of their house. Oh, it's such heartwarming stuff. And of course, uh, as you know, uh, one of the executive orders of Biden was that for the next 100 days, we're not going to deport anybody while they in fact study who should be 
comported with the priority should be. Yeah. Uh, fortunately, a federal judge, at the behest of a number of states, put an end to that. He said, no, 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 you can't just suddenly stop deporting people. In fact, it doesn't make a difference what a judge says. If DHS is not deporting people, they won't get deported. So this is a positive act. It has to be undertaken. And if the Biden administration stops undertaking this positive act, it won't happen. Right. Yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, another one that's really one of my favorites is that Donald Trump, uh, fairly late in his administration, maybe year three or early on in year four, he did something that I would think most Americans, Democrats included, would think was perfectly obvious. And that is enforce what's called the public charge rule. In the United States, if you come here and you're a foreigner, then you are not supposed to go on welfare. You're not supposed to put your snout in the public trough when you're not even a U.S. citizen. You may not even have a residency here. And the previous administration is very lax about enforcing this. Now, Joe Biden says, oh, no, 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 no. You may go on. You may go on all sorts of welfare. We don't care. You'll make a wonderful American citizen anyway or a wonderful lawful resident. So he has rescinded all of the Trump tightening up of that kind of regulation. Now, again, this seems to be something that even Democrats would scratch their heads and say, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Do we really want to encourage people to come here and be welfare bums? But no, he thinks it's a great idea and no public outcry against this. And of course, uh, I'm sure you've been following what's been going on at the public at the southern border with all these unaccompanied minors who've been showing up. Uh, Donald Trump had a policy, and he said COVID was the reason for it. I think there are many other excellent reasons to do this, but he was just pitching everyone back over the border, saying that a public health hazard during this COVID period, and that included unaccompanied minors. Now, up until he made that decision, unaccompanied minors, if they're coming from Canada or from Mexico, got kind of special treatment. They would be held, and they'd be processed, and they'd be looked and mulled over, and the question was, well, what will we do with them? It was considered inhumane to send them back because they might be subject to trafficking or whatever it is. But Donald Trump put an end to that. You go home. You stay home, no matter who you are. Now, what uh, what uh, uh, Joe Biden has revived, of course, is these camps where these children were being kept when they came over with families. During the Trump administration, you don't house children in detention areas for adults. That's why we have separate jails for juvenile delinquents and adult prisoners. You just don't want children in a place like that. And the same is true for adult illegal immigrants. You don't house them together. But, oh, it was a crime against humanity because Donald Trump had separated the children, put them in special facilities, and eventually reunited them, et cetera, et cetera. No, can't do that. Well, when he stopped letting any of them in at all, of course, they stayed home and their families by and large, stayed together such as they had them. That should have been a good thing, right? Well, now uh, Biden has changed the plan. And so in March, already they've been coming in unaccompanied children at the rate of 11,000 a month. 11,000. What are we supposed to do with these kids? Yeah, well, we can't turn them back the way Trump did. Oh, that would be inhumane. So we are encouraging a process that, of course, breaks up families. And we can't hold them in detention for very long. So then we have to find a relative in the United States. Or the idea is we'll find some sort of NGO, Catholic relief, so the Hebrew Immigrant Society. They're going to put these kids up. And they're even looking at turning American air base, I'm, I'm sorry, American military base barracks into homeless shelters for these children. Jeez. It's 
insane. It's insane. So we're going to get all of these underage people coming to the United States. And I can predict with 100% confidence that the time will come when they will get the kind of the, the DACA treatment. Oh, these poor things. They came as children. They were shoved across the border. Oh my gosh, they came without their families. They are going to be more deserving of our love and care and cherishing of any illegal immigrants ever in the history of the world. So they will be on their route to some sort of citizenship or some sort of special program. No, it's a crazy, crazy thing. I mean, I don't know, uh, I'm sure, uh, I don't know if you, you've probably already talked about this, but the stay in Mexico policy, that has been revamped. Would you like me to talk about that? Yeah, I don't, I don't know much about that. Yeah, please go ahead. Well, the, the idea was up until Donald Trump, Donald Trump did so many useful things. On our side, it's common to bash him for the sort of bumbling, boorish, inconsistent guy that he was. But he did a number of really great things that are being systematically undone by the Biden administration. One of them was, if you come to the United States and you are seeking asylum, under the old rules, you would come in and then you'd be processed, get a preliminary hearing, and then you'd get a pass into the United States with a personal invitation to come someday in the fall off by and by, maybe six years from now, to hearing before an immigration judge. Well, of course, they didn't show up. They would never show up. Maybe 5% showed up. So once you claim, came in and claimed asylum, then it was a this catch and release. Then you become into the United States and you're home free. Well, he said, no, if you want asylum, if you're at our border, you're going to wait in Mexico. You're going to wait in Mexico while we process your asylum request. And of course, a huge majority of these requests are bogus anyway. These people are not fleeing for some sort of legitimate war or some kind of persecution because of race or ethnicity or religion. They want to get into the United States and on the gringo gravy train. Yeah. And he said, no. We're not going to just turn you loose the way the old, the way the way it was happening before. You stay in Mexico while we process your request, and if you turned out to be a phony, just like ninety-five percent of the rest of them, the answer is not just no. The answer is hell no. Well, Biden has stopped that. That was inhumane. Making them live in Mexico. Oh, how horrible! So they can come. They go through the usual routine. They go through a little mumbo jumbo at the border, and then they get released into the interior, and we will never see them again. Crazy, yeah. crazy. And then, of course, there was the first safe country program. Yes. And, you know, the way the way the asylum system is supposed to work, if you think you have a genuine asylum claim, you're being persecuted for all the important reasons, then you are supposed to apply for asylum in the first safe country you come to. You can't just pick and choose. You can't say, oh, I don't want that one. Oh, I don't want that one. I want America. Well, that's, of course, what they were all doing. Now, Mexico is, by and large, considered a safe country. So if you're from Guatemala, Honduras, or Salvador, as soon as you get to Mexico, or even on those intermediate countries, if it's a safe country, you're supposed to apply for asylum. And Trump had an agreement with all of these countries that that's the way you do it. Biden says, oh, no, 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 we're not going to do it that way. They can wait and they can apply for asylum in the United States, which means anybody from anywhere, no matter where he's been on the way, whether he's a Cuban or whether he's a Hmong or whether he's Somalia or wherever he's from, he shows up at the American border and says, asylum, and he gets in and he gets a little ticket as I say, a personal invitation for hearing before a judge someday, somewhere, which he never has to show up for. And now the, the Biden administration say, oh, no, no, there's no crisis at the border. 
I think even the Washington Post, just the other day, was sort of muttering darkly about how oh, this may not turn out so well, Mr. Biden. But because he's a Democrat, because we're talking about non-white people, wonderful non-white people bringing us diversity, the greatest gift ever given to America, you know, we're just going to let this happen. We'll see what the consequences are. Yeah, we we just have to, there's, there's no option. What what are we supposed to do? We just have to let these people in. It's funny, the, the BBC <laughs> yeah. article I was showing here to you, and you mentioned this, how they've changed the rhetoric. Remember how there was kids in cages and all this stuff, right? And, right. and although they changed this, as you say, from... I think the processing time now is maximum three days, 72 hours that they're allowed to keep. Which to is like, how yes. much are you going to find out at that? What if this is the, I mean, there were stories of kidnapped uh, kids from South America, whether it was drug cartels or these, um, you know, human traffickers or whatever. They literally kidnap kids and say, yes, these are my children just to get into the country, right? To get a foot in through right. there. How much are you going to find yes. out in 72 hours or, or Mexico or whatever country they're, they're coming from? Hand you over all those papers and you're going to check their whole backstory. It's catch and release, as they call it, right? But but this now they call them, look at this here. Um, uh, let me see here. Where is it in the article here? Uh, being held hundreds of continued arrived day, blah, blah, blah. It basically said they just they just call them processing f facilities now. Uh, they, they changed their language. This is BBC, but I saw this across the board, basically. Like, like, oh, it's no longer cages. All this narrative has changed all of a sudden, too. And of course, just because by the virtue that Biden has 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 changed these policies now, uh, he's getting applause, you know, in the mainstream media, basically. Yes. Oh, that's right. Although now he's being now he's being told, oh, these places aren't good enough. These are the same places Donald Trump, that ogre, kept children. And clearly, we can't have them in the same place. Fact is, when Donald Trump said no more, those few who are actually detained, they were in widely separated beds because of COVID and everything else. Well, right. now the, uh, 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 the the governmental departments are saying these are special circumstances. Pack them in just as tight as they were in pre-COVID days. <laughs> this is not something we can we can afford to worry about. But of course, uh, some are coming in with COVID. Uh, but uh, the people who work there, that's okay. We'll give them protective clothing, and they'll get emergency vaccinations. And everything's just going to be worked out fine. No, no, I don't it, uh, Jared, I, I don't think they even did that. Like, even if they had an argument where they said, oh, okay, we, we just we have to bring these people in, but we're going to, uh, at the very least, then give them vaccines or some kind of measure to make sure that they can't spread. That didn't happen. If they no. truly were serious about COVID, as they say they are, at least when it comes to us, right? They wouldn't, on that basis alone, not let in these, uh, these kids or whatever age they are, right? Exactly. That's exactly right. And it, it's been well established. They show up in Texas and some of the Texas authorities have given them PCR tests and some are COVID positive. And the government says, hey, not our problem. Nope. What they're doing is they're giving emergency vaccinations, not to these so-called refugees, it's the people who work in these shelters, so that they uh, presumably won't uh, won't get sick from it. But no, they're packing them in just like in the pre-COVID days. And if they're sick and they get turned loose on the United States, well, that's just too bad. Somebody will have to take care of it. I know. L listen to now, this. Uh, do you want to listen to a clip here real quick? It's it's interesting certainly. because it's the former ICE chief that actually says, obviously, as we've been talking about the 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 border patrol has been turned into welcoming centers now but he brings this up with covid here listen listen to this i'm not confident about this administration doing anything that's right when it comes to immigration enforcement or or the safety and security of this country but i will say they have to lean toward taking covid tests but let's the 108 they already released you got to understand, ICE had detention capability. They could detain them in an ICE family residential center that had doctors, nurses, child, uh, 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 
the children's doctors, and they had negative pressure rooms where they can keep people with contagious diseases separate from other people. They had the capability to detain these people and protect our public health. But this administration is all about how quick can we release them. I know Pete said earlier they're changing these detention centers, what they call reception centers. They're actually welcoming centers because they get them in there quickly, they don't test them, they release them, and when they release them, they release them on an NTA, Notice to Appear OR, which means as soon as they get to their destination, they qualify for work authorization. So not only are they pushing back against our public health crisis, having COVID being released, they're going to compete for the same scarce jobs that middle Americans are competing for right now in the unemployment crisis. This is just total incompetence by this administration. Yeah, perfect. Uh, as you, and just as you said, the, the, the way that they're processing these people now, it's, it's unbelievable. Yes, yes, just astonishing. You know, uh, I guess sort of a coincidence, but uh, uh, just last weekend I was reading a long article in the, in the New York Times Magazine about automation. And they said automation is coming for a lot of middle class, middle management, even supervisory jobs. You're going to have these artificial intelligence programs. They're going to learn how to be a banker or a lawyer or make medical diagnoses. And they're warning, you know, lots of you folks, uh, you may be out of a job. And they made the point that it is white-collar workers who are far more threatened than blue-collar workers. You can't teach an artificial intelligence program how to hang sheetrock or lay bricks. But if you've had some cushy white-collar job in middle management, you find you're out on the street, and you think, well, maybe I'm going to be a carpenter, maybe I'm going to go into construction. Hey, Jose and Pablo have already got those jobs sewed up at very low wages, fella. So, exactly. I, I, should have I should have made that precise point that this fellow on the clip made. These people are coming into the United States at a time when millions of Americans are out of work, looking for yeah. any possible job they can, yeah. just what we need. Again, what it demonstrates to me is that they are not. Uh, I mean, I mean, again, whatever you know, people think of COVID or whatever. It's it's beyond the point. It's how the the established how the Biden administration are treating it, right? That it's so super serious for us. Is the most we can lose our jobs, our livelihoods, you know, just to to make sure that everyone stays safe. But when push comes to shove, there's these hierarchy of needs or wants, whatever you want to call it, where basically right. the most important thing, though, COVID to the side, is that we just bring in these people to replace them and, and, and make sure that they get our jobs or Americans' jobs, I should say. It's crazy. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, and, you know, a lot of people think that this is motivated by anti-white hatred. I, I'm not convinced that that's the case. It, uh, it is difficult to understand what the motives are, but I believe that just like Angela Merkel letting in all those Syrians, she probably thought that she was being the, doing the humanitarian thing. And of course she knew that the media would praise her for doing this. It's the same here. All the bureaucrats involved in doing this, they their own lives are not gonna be affected. They're not gonna suffer from this. They're not looking for bricklaying jobs. And so they can say, oh, aren't we kind? Aren't we wonderful? And at the same time, if you really do believe this anti-white nonsense, then the theory is gonna be America's gonna be a far better place when folks look like you and me are gone. We are the wicked villains of American and world history. And if we can be just sort of phased out, then America's just going to be such a, such a happy, happy place. <clears throat> Who knows? Who knows what motivates these people? Sometimes one scratches one's heads and thinks, are they simply gone crazy? But it is part of an unceasing media campaign to promote this idea of a non-white future America, which is going to be a paradise for all of us, even for us poor, benighted white folks who are left. We got a couple 
couple of super chats. Thank you for that, boys and girls. I appreciate that. Lone Star Texan said, freedom of speech is controversial. That's uh, it, it is now. Uh, you got it. Thank you, Mr. Noseberg, as well, to the heads up there. Uh, and we did get, I guess we can do this one real quick here. Lord Aragon was asking, uh, what does Jared think of the George Floyd trial? Big, uh, <laughs> quite a bit of uh, something to chew well, on there, but yeah. Well, you know, uh, sometimes I think, why do we even bother with trials? The media have already figured it all out. The media have explained to us that this guy is guilty of premeditated murder. Why bother with a trial? Now, of course, uh, that's just a joke. The media always jump to conclusions about the white guy being bad and the black guy being completely innocent. And this story has been told with such vehemence. And the rioters who rioted in the name of George Floyd got such kid glove treatment. They got pat on the back and they shook loose billions of dollars in corporate donations for Black Lives Matters that there is such a tremendous head of steam built up over the idea of Derek Chauvin, that's the officer who put his knee on George Floyd's neck. Derek Chauvin, guilty, 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 guilty. Now, of course, I'm sure that, uh, Henrik, in your program, you've gone through some of the tales that make you wonder about that story. All of the tales about the amount of fentanyl that guy had in his, had in his body, the fact that his lungs were full of liquid, he was frothing at the mouth, couldn't breathe before he even got down on, on the ground. All the reasons to think that he basically died of a fentanyl overdose, an overexcitement, et cetera, et cetera. But the point is, the authorities in Minneapolis Sometimes you have to recognize they're not completely stupid. They have practically turned the city into an armed camp. They've got barricades, concertina barbed wire around the courthouse. The stores are being boarded up. And this is because they know if, if the jury acquits or if the jury does not find that he was guilty of the most serious charges, Minneapolis and the whole country is going to blow up. That's because the media has already told us. What the, what the verdict should be. Yeah. Look, boys and girls, the jury, if you don't do this, ooh, America's going to be in bad trouble. And I really wonder if it's possible to seat a panel of jurors who can assess the evidence objectively and render an impartial verdict. Everyone knows, everyone knows that not only will America blow up if they vote the wrong way, it's entirely possible their own lives would be at danger. I know that during the selection process, although they're televising this trial, and I think that's a great thing, the more people actually see the evidence, the better things will be. But they're trying very carefully to keep the identities of the jury confidential. And for excellent reason. We know that in this system that's supposed to be fair-minded, rule of law, et cetera, et cetera, if they vote to quit or if they acquit of the, on those serious charges, their lives are in danger. So the fact that the jurors are being concealed, the fact that there are barricades everywhere, that is an implicit admission by the people in authority that this is no slam duck case, the way CNN and the New York Times, the Washington Post would have us believe. So we'll see if we get a repetition of what happened in the Trayvon Martin case. The Trayvon Martin case was identical. Here you had this wicked, wicked white Hispanic who had gunned down a black in cold blood. No, that's not what happened. And the jury, God bless them, they acquitted. We will have to see what happens, but it's gonna be a real cliffhanger to the end. Yeah, and exactly to say we could have uh, more riots as a consequence of this and all kinds of uh, craziness. 
yes. another another spring or summer here, basically, with the same kind of thing we saw in 2020, uh, where, of course, all the COVID uh, restrictions and things like this went out the window yet again, right? Because it was more important. Now it was the media said, these people are they're they're so brave. They're putting their own lives at risk to to be out there in protest and stuff. But um, apparently, this was a, so there was a, a potential twenty seven million dollar settlement with the George Floyd, I guess, the family or estate or something. Here's a headline saying that there may be delays over that. But uh, Jesus, there's a lot of money that have been had by these uh, by the the families uh, related or drawn into these kinds of controversies, Jared. Uh, you know, I had a hard time uh, listening, hearing what you said. It broke up a little bit. You talked about the $27 million settlement? Yes, yes. Uh, yes, I see that that's what you've got on, on, on the screen right now. Uh, this is uh, one of the largest settlements to a civilian group from a city on, on account of police misbehavior. Certainly, it's the largest in the state of uh, Minnesota and probably one of the largest ever in the history of the United States. What this means is the family of George Floyd has hit the jackpot. Here they have this petty criminal who probably died of complications of fentanyl overdose. Of course, he had marijuana in his system. He also was uh, uh, COVID positive. Lots of things wrong with this poor guy. But because he died in this public way and because the, film, the process was filmed, he, his family, is going to come out as millionaires. The previous record settlement, of course, in the uh, state of uh, Minnesota and the city of Minneapolis had been the $20 million that was granted to the family of Justine Damond. I'm sure you followed that story. This is a white lady who thought there was a disturbance uh, going on in the alley behind her house. She called the police. She went down in pajamas and a cop car showed up with its lights off so, no, so they couldn't see her. And she was knocking on the side of the car trying to get their attention. And a black Somali officer pulled a gun and shot her dead. Now, uh, that settlement was $20 million. And in that case, it took a long time to get an indictment. And uh, as it turned out, this Somali cop had been a fellow who should have washed out of police school many times. But he was their first Somali cop. They wanted a Somali officer to make the Somali community happy and to brag about diversity, a guy who should never have been a cop. Well, now they fight. he finally went on trial, and he's doing time in the big house. And they had to pay out $20 million. Now, in the case of Chauvin and Floyd, the circumstances are very different. It's certainly not like a guy who pulls out a gun and shoots a completely unarmed woman running around in her pajamas. The circumstances are vastly, vastly different. But they got more money because basically the American press said this is a horrible case of racism and these people have to be compensated. Now, the question to me is, what is the legal strategy of doing this, making this settlement, this record settlement on the eve of trial? Uh, I would think they would at least want to know whether or not there was any criminal uh, what, criminal involvement, but perhaps they are reading the tea leaves similar to the way I am, and they're saying there is no way any juror, no matter what the evidence, is going to find that this guy's innocent, so we'll make our settlement before a guilty verdict comes in in the hope that it can be even, uh, that hope they won't be even larger than this $27 million. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, crazy now, times. Do you know, uh, Henrik, yeah. uh, do you know, do you have anybody, uh, maybe a volunteer, uh, who is going to be watching this trial? 
Uh, I think because you can watch it on television, it would be great to have somebody who watched it every day and did a summary from our point of view about the evidence, uh, how the arguments are going. I wish I had the time to watch it. It's going to be one of the fascinating trials of our time. Unfortunately, the way things go in American court proceedings these days are going to go on for days and days and days and oh, days. Yeah. It's not yeah. something you can polish up in just a couple of days. No, it's true. It would be great to have a, a correspondent, so to speak. All he needs to do is look at his, at, at his screen. I've been looking for somebody like that, and maybe I should add that to my request list <laughs> yeah. to your viewers. <laughs> exactly. If, if somebody if somebody is interested in watching this trial, and you can watch it start to finish and doing a daily summary, we would love to hear from you. And that's, again, at the Contact Us tab at amran.com. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, definitely. Uh, reach uh, reach out to uh, Jared, guys, if you want to do that, too. Uh, that's a good idea. Yeah, I was thinking about watching, obviously, some of it, but as you say, it's just, it, it's, this could go on, I mean, what, another OJ trial? Huge, I mean, months and months, who knows, right, how long this is going to go on for? Well, you know, the, the, the thing, if you can get advance warning, probably the best thing to watch would be the opening statements and then the closing arguments. Right. Uh, those yeah. will be those will be uh, a really interesting summary of how both the prosecution and the defense plan to structure the case, the arguments they plan to make, and then after it's over, then they will summarize all the available evidence from their point of view. Yeah. And of course, the big question is: it was will Derek Chauvin take the stand? I hope he does take the stand and testify in his own defense. If a, if a defendant does not testify in his own defense, that always gives a bad impression. The judge will say, okay, the fact that he did not testify in his own defense, that should not sway your opinion one way or the other. But it's very difficult for jurors to set that aside and say, yeah. okay, okay, he just decided not to. So I hope that he is well prepped. I hope he comes, comes across as a sincere and capable thoughtful police officer and that he will testify. But there's no word yet as to whether that's planned. Of course, if he does, you know, that'll add another three days to the trial probably. Exactly. I know. Yeah, no, it's it's absolutely crazy. Uh, but yes. when when is it uh, slated to uh, start? Uh, did you did you mention that? No, I think it's certainly, it's certainly later this month. Uh, they had set aside, I think, two weeks for jury selection. And jury selection, of course, this is a very delicate business because yeah. everything is under the microscope. Yeah. And as I say, they've got to keep the jurors confidential at this point. March too, 29th. Sorry, these, Jared. March 29th, the chat uh, says here. What's that? March, March 29th, uh, the chat says. March 29th. Yeah. Mm. Okay. So it's coming up. <laughs> Gosh, well, that was a long bunch of jabber in answer to one question. Oh, no, 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 no worries. No, but it's it's good. Yeah, they did. I mean, you. Didn't, I don't know. It's very uh, suspicious the way they do a jury selection, too, to be honest. And who gets to decide? And I've seen cases where certain people seem to be, uh, you know, okay to be part of the jury, but then someone politically oh. motivated kind of knows or they find something out about a person and they take them off and things like this. I've seen stuff like the, that. So. They have all filled out extensive questionnaires, and then there's the process known as voir dire. And both sides, both the lawyers from both sides and the judge, if he feels like it, can ask them specific deliberate questions based on the answer to their questionnaires and also just uh, whatever comes up. Uh, I think the process is, it can be corrupt, but if you're going to select uh, jurors from the general public, it's a fairly straightforward way of doing this. So I've, uh, uh, I've served on two juries myself, and I thought the general procedure was pretty fair-minded. Now, 
none of the cases that I served on was uh, a big coast to coast headlines kind of case. But I thought the procedures were remarkably fair. Yeah, very, very important point. Uh, I wanted to <clears throat> switch over a little bit um, and ask you about, well, basically the, the Biden administration's pressure, and it's not only the Biden administration, this happened under Trump as well. There's other government agencies that have been involved in this in terms of uh, putting pressure on dissidents and things like this. They have, yes. obviously this comes in the wake of the January 6th, uh, the Capitol riot. And, and, and again, regardless of what people think of that, if they think that it was legitimate the anger that people had or if it was just a, the most stupid move that they ever seen uh, i've seen a lot of a lot of different views on this obviously but what has happened in the media and i think that, that this will extend into the political system is this witch hunt obviously that has been stepped up now against people who are conservatives non-leftist people on the right well you know call them whatever you will maga people trump supporters or you have this narrative basically that has developed where what do we do about the 74 million i've seen i've shown the headlines like this many many times basically anybody who voted for trump is now no we're almost there that they're seen as kind of in a domestic terrorism and the apparatus of the u.s you know the security apparatus the intelligence apparatus even the military so, so in the wake of tucker here to a certain extent is now turning inward and, and, and starting to look and examine uh, its own population, Jared. A big topic here, but what do you think, what's the trends here? It's worrying to me. No, the trends are precisely as you state them. And one of the central elements of this trend is the assertion, the unending assertion that the events of January 6th, the takeover of the Capitol, were an expression of white supremacy. This right from the start, while the tear gas was still in the air, Joe Biden himself, everybody from here on down, all the media were telling us, this is white supremacy. This is just lunatic. There has been a report out by a Georgetown Center on Terrorism. And uh, yes, so this, this is the article I wrote about this, in which they go into great detail. They track down every one of them. I think by then they had about 257 people that they'd arrested. They couldn't find any white supremacists. They found, what they found were two people for whom they could have some sort of circumstantial evidence. The guy who walked through the Capitol with a, with, a, uh, with a Confederate battle flag, but we don't know anything about his politics. He was a Delaware guy. He flew this, he flew this, he flew this flag. Now, was he calling for segregated schools? Was he calling for all white America? No, we've, had, we've heard nothing about that. And then the other guy was this uh, weird bearded fellow who wore a t-shirt that said Camp Auschwitz on it. The report <laughs> mentioned these two guys. Now, what does Camp Auschwitz mean? Now, suppose uh, he's probably not a conventional guy. Let's 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 be honest about that. <laughs> but does that make him? I mean, is he calling uh, to to have uh, blacks and sit in the back of the bus? No. And everybody there, and this report from the Georgetown Center reluctantly admits this. Everybody was there was united around one idea. And that idea was a very simple one. They sincerely believed that the election had been stolen from the legitimate victor. They were not trying to overthrow the United States government. They were not attacking democracy. They thought they were saving democracy from a band of thieves who had thwarted democracy. And to call this an armed insurrection to overthrow the United States government, this is the story, of course, that continues to be told to us by our elders and our betters and our superiors. This is lunatic. Another fascinating point in this article that uh, 
uh, is that in this in this uh, in this study of the people who were arrested, they found that nearly half the people who had been arrested had bragged about what a good time they had on social media. Exactly. And, yeah. the, and these guys are supposed to be insurrectionists, uh, like and the, right uh, they the focus open, armed insurrection. When do you see some of them had? <laughs> go, yeah, go on. Some of them had pocket knives. Oh my God! Some of them had uh, had crutches. That's the oh CNN had this big article explaining all of these weapons that they had. Oh my gosh! They had flagpoles. They had crutches. They had pocket knives. They had bear spray. As I wrote in the article, not even some comic opera coup plotters in Upper Volta or East Uganda would think of trying to overthrow the government with pocket knives and bear spray <laughs> and to call this an armed insurrection yeah. I mean, this this is just lunatic but to get back to your larger point the idea is that these people these white people were all white supremacists they are a threat to democracy they are a threat to our very legislative process and this becomes yet another justification for demonizing white people, hunting us down, and making it as difficult as possible for anyone to be a dissident. Now, having said this, I think, Henry, you and I have nothing to worry about from the federal government unless we break laws. They're going to have to draw right up new laws to make what you or I do illegal. If, uh, if we start rioting, which of course we wouldn't do, or if we're trying to prevent the government from carrying out its duties, well then they will throw the book at us just as they're throwing the book at these alleged white supremacist armed insurrectionists who broke into the Capitol. They're going to, they're tracking them down as if they were Osama bin Laden. It's just so seriously yeah. they're taking it. But so long as we do not break laws, I think you and I are fine. It's the private sector which will continue to harass us perhaps with greater encouragement from the Biden administration, but until they write new laws that somehow make what you and I do incitement of hatred. And I don't think a law like that would stand up under the current Supreme Court. I think it would be found unconstitutional. I think, frankly, you and I have nothing to worry about from the U.S. government. I, I hope you're right. Uh, you know, the media, it, it, you know, sometimes it's it's hard to make the distinction. You can sit and look at uh, cable news TV or something like that, you know, CNN, MSNBC, and they drive a narrative and, and it kind of, it almost feels like it's official policy, but just because it's yes. on TV or something like that, you know, which it's obviously not. It's just a bunch of, uh, uh, you know, you know, insane people talking basically and, and voicing their, their opinions. But I'd like to see where they go with, with this, this issue of well, this disinformation, they call everything, everything that's countering to the ideas that they're trying to push. They call that conspiracy theories. They call it disinformation. Incitement yeah. is, is one of these other terms that they use in the same way that they, these are all, uh, you know, what do you call it? After construction, they, they, they build the narrative after the fact with various pieces, yeah. right? And, and if you weren't part of this from the, from the get-go, from the start, it might you know make sense to you or you might be fooled by it but again they, they they're building these straw men continuously and say look at there here's the boogeyman here's the monster and they've taken choice quotes or misconstrued information or they've just flat on lied you know in the media and things like that but i feel something is different in sense in the sense that that, that they are feeling if you just mention as much as for example if you believe that the election was uh, was stolen or or not fair or 
extend it to the COVID thing too, for that matter. If you don't believe that lockdowns are beneficial or that you don't believe masks uh, uh, does anything to stop it, if you don't want to be vaccinated, for example, that they're now drumming this narrative that this is somehow putting other people's lives in danger and just you opposing certain things could be incitement to violence and therefore you know they want to see kind of legal ramifications for this where do you think they will go with this well uh one of our writers at american renaissance is really a brilliant guy gregory hood and he says we do not have state-run media in this country we have a media-run state I think that's a very powerful and, and yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, persuasive way of describing it. We don't, they're not government owned, but in fact, they almost own the government because when the media work at it hard enough, as we just saw recently uh, with the comments that Tucker Carlson made about the pregnant women aviators and how wonderful our, our women and diverse military are. And you have the, the media coming down 100% on the idea that, my gosh, women in the special forces or in artillery or uh, good grief in the infantry, boy, the Chinese are just quaking in their boots because <laughs> we've got these fearsome super women who are going to just knock their pants off. I know. This is idiocy. Anybody who's had a sister, anybody who's had a mother knows this is utter, utter idiocy. But when the media gang up in this extraordinary way, they can really rock the whole country back on its knees. Yeah, but yeah. The, this question this question of what will be the consequences for people like us? Well, the private sector has already done pretty much everything it can do to you and me. I don't know what else they can do. Uh, stop, they've already stopped processing our credit cards, kick us off YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, all of these places. And we always bounce back wherever we can. So unless, um, and again, the government may decide to make domestic terrorism a crime. Foreign terrorism is a crime. And if you are a member of a foreign terrorist group, a designated foreign terrorist group, or if you give it material support of some kind, you have committed a crime. You can go to jail for doing that. So far, there is no such thing as an officially designated domestic terrorist organization. But to be a domestic foreign terrorist organization, and the same would be true for a domestic organization, you have to be breaking laws and doing so for a political purpose. So again, unless there are new laws that they haven't come up with yet for you and me to break, Henrik, right. yeah. it is, it's not possible for us to be designated as domestic terrorist organizations. I think they'd have a very hard time doing that in the case of their current hate targets, namely the Proud Boys and the Three Percenters and uh, the Oath Keepers. But be all that as it may, uh, I think so long as you stick to simply stating the facts as you see them, the government, I mean, they're going to lean perhaps on the private sector to be even more oppressive, make life harder for us, but nobody's going to cut off your electricity, nobody's going to cut off your gas, and you're not going to have uh, the telephone service stop doing business with you, and I think we will be able to bounce along as we have so far. We've survived all the crazy private sector measures, so I, I'm, I'm confident in that respect, but I'm always being accused of being the naive, the overconfident, <laughs> the smiley man of the movement, uh, underestimating the viciousness of our enemies, so we'll see.
Yeah, I think I think we have a good balance here today, then, because I always go, you know, I always go conspiracy and cynical, and it's it's good that we have you there to kind of anchor me a bit, I guess. But yeah, I'm definitely more. I mean, yes, as you say, but but again, look at the interface here. Look at Operation Choke Point, for example, right, which Biden then have you know encouraged again. Trump kind of put it on the back burner a little bit, but again, mind you. This was happening during Trump as well. A lot of us were lo lost our credit card processing when Trump was president. It, it didn't matter That's kind of correct. thing, right? But at least yeah. there was some new banking law that was at least the big banks, they they, they couldn't, uh, they can't, or that was going to go into effect. They can't discriminate yes. on uh, against people based on their political views. Now, the Biden admin, of course, did away with that, and they were seeking to expand yeah. Operation Choke Point, which, of course, is then basically a the way the government is telling the private sector to do their bidding, right? Isn't that what that is? Yes, uh, that, that is a potentially dangerous thing. And the arms industry suffered very badly from that. The credit card processes that would not work for gun sales, for example. Right, yeah. And uh, the idea of trying to force the National Rifle Association out of business from a banking point of view. This is, this is a brand new way of government leaning on the private sector in a way that makes it impossible to do business. Uh, how far that will go, I can't say. But uh, yes, uh, it does make the atmosphere uh, that much more dangerous for dissidents like us. Yes, it, it does. Now, I'm also encouraged to throw in a, you know, a white pill in, in the mix here, too, with uh, the development of new technologies and Web 2.0, uh, sorry, 3.0 and things like this. Uh, but blockchain, there are various decentralized efforts and methods that are uh, that are coming into, into view. We've seen the uh, complaining already from uh, the likes of New York Times, for example, about this technology that basically like as long as it's legal, they can't it cannot be censored. Right. Odyssey supposedly is one of these new experiments of sorts. It uh, stems from another service called Library. They have a uh, an, an associated uh, token or a, a cryptocurrency that's tied to that as well. And we're seeing a lot of other other. Uh, you know, services like that popping up, which potentially would would be a godsend for for people like us, where we've we've been struggling, right? What we need is to get away from these central big uh, hubs where one or two or just a handful of people can come in and essentially flip the switch. If if someone cannot control the data flow, but because it's it's uh, decentralized or distributed, that would be an ideal situation. What, what do you, I don't know if, how much you know about this new technology and things like this, well, but uh, are you uh, I'm sure. I'm sure you're much better informed than I have, and uh, I have some younger fellows working for me who are trying to keep tabs of these things. Uh, it may ultimately come to a point where we have to operate uniquely in cryptocurrency. Uh, who knows? Uh, maybe buy our groceries in exchange for potatoes. Uh, I don't. I hope it doesn't come to that. But whatever it takes, we will keep speaking, and I'm sure you will too. But yes. All of these new technologies that are independent of, as you say, they, they've got these pinch points where Cloudflare, for example, uh, it's one corporation yeah. whose job is to protect uh, our website and everybody else's website, I don't know about yours, from denial of service attacks. And there was a very chilling occasion when uh, one of the DHS guys who worked for Donald Trump, no less, he was an acting uh, uh, Secretary of Homeland Security, has a kind of an Irish name, I've forgotten his name exactly, but he said he was on a panel with a guy from Cloudflare, and he said, look, we can't censor things ourselves, but, you know, you guys, you can, you can withdraw your service from these people and help them go out of business. This didn't get nearly the attention deserved. The fact is, a denial of service attack is a felony. And here's this guy representing the United States federal government under Trump 
saying to Cloudflare, Cloudflare, if we don't like a guy, we'd kind of like you to not do business with them so that people who oppose them just the way we do can commit a felony and get them off the net. What right. kind of world is this? Yeah. And this yeah. is Donald Trump. This is under Donald Trump. Crazy. So the, these things are conceivable. They are absolutely conceivable. Fortunately, there are competitors to Cloudflare, but that is the, the most important and the most used, the most effective way mm. to protect your website from hostile attack. And if they decide that, okay, we don't want you, and if the other competitors decide they don't want you, you know, your website is going to be in trouble. Yeah, so there are other ways around this too. Uh, <clears throat> there are domain names uh, that ends with, for example, .crypto, I believe it is. There's a number of them where mm. you, even the domain uh, name, it doesn't mean the, serv the, the, the servers or like the backend data and things like this, but the domain name uh, is on the blockchain decentralized. So, so no, not mm. one person can turn it off. This seems promising too. We actually had a, mm. a kind uh, listener reviewer that reached out the other day and he said he had bought redice.crypto for us and, I was, and he was going to give oh. it to us. And apparently Wonderful. this is, you can't, uh, you know, you can't screw with that in the same way that we've seen, for example, GoDaddy do, where they just, you know, turn off or they deny yes. a, a website uh, from being able to use a domain name. So that's encouraging. Well, well, you know, there is uh, uh, .crypto. That's very interesting because there is another uh, extension of that kind, which is SU. And you could have redice.su. SU stands for Soviet Union. It's a, <laughs> it's a relic from the past but it's run by Russians and uh -oh. they basically they will, but, but the, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but they will let anybody say anything and do anything on their site. Uh, and a, as a precaution might be useful to snap up a red ice.su. Uh, that is what uh, Andrew Anglin uses for the daily Sturmer, which was one of those rare cases of a guy who got his domain domain name snatched. He had gone to the dark web for a while, for heaven's sake. Yeah, that's right. He, uh, it, uh, it, it's just extraordinary. But uh, he found a home in .su, and that's a place where you can keep going and apparently survive no matter how hated you are. Interesting, huh? Yes, yeah, old Soviet uh, communism for the, for the red. That's for the right. Green. Yes, the, the, uh, <laughs> yes, the, 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 the uh, iron right curtain to the, iron I, curtain I, I the rescue. Sorry, go on. <laughs> No, the, the Iron Curtain may come to our rescue. Well, it's like the Eastern <laughs> Europeans. They're the only racially healthy people left. We used to feel so sorry for them, living under the yoke of communism. But they maintained a healthy sense of nation, race, culture. And uh, if the rest of us go down, I like to think that at least the Eastern Europeans will maintain Western civilization. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, Lone Star Texan here over on Entropy says we can do a couple of these and then we'll move on. I, I, and let me know if you need to round up here too, uh, Jared. We, we've held you over for an hour here, so I don't want to uh, take up too long. Um, Lone Star Texan says, uh, they a-holes, I'm kind of semi-censoring that, who broke into the trader Brett Kavanaugh swearing weren't insurrectionists. Yeah, I mean, exactly. There are other scenarios where we, we've seen this kind of behavior, right? We've saw, We've seen attack on federal buildings by Antifa in, in uh, what, yeah. Portland or the, the legal, um, I forget, the courthouse there, I believe, right, in Portland? Yes, the federal courthouse. Uh, yeah. There's many other examples, actually, of this. We even, I, my mom brought attention to me that it was a, which, I forget which, uh, maybe it was the Weather Underground. It was some communist organization that had blow up a bomb, I think, in the Capitol. It was like back in 83. Do you, do you remember this? It's the kind of stuff that they memory hold, right? It's like, I, I'd never even heard of it. No, I don't remember the Weather Underground, but there was a time when Black Panthers walked into the Capitol with rifles and shotguns. Right. At that time, they didn't have they didn't have the uh, 
the whole security process that they do now. And of course, they weren't shot down in cold blood the way everybody says would have happened to the people on January 6th if they'd been black. And nobody talks about this. And of course, there was a time when there was such a sustained assault on the White House, injured a score of Secret Service agents, and the president uh, went down into the bunker for the first time ever because he was threatened. Nobody cares about that. That's no insurrection. That was just sort of, a, I don't know, like a traffic disturbance or something. But uh, no, as soon as, as, soon as uh, people who are on the other side of the political spectrum get frisky and take over the Capitol, oh, my God, it's World War III. I know. It's uh, it's absolutely insane. Um, yeah, so here's the story here. Bomb explodes in the U.S. Capitol November 7th, 1983. I'm seeing if I can find hmm. it. An armed resistance unit. It. Um, mm. I guess they were against the, the U.S. military intervention or actions in Granada and Lebanon or something like that. Forget which group, but it's mm. interesting that these kinds of things are memory holds. So when it, when it's like you know yes. communist uh, yes. you know uh, hostiles that do it, then it's like they're pretending. Right. Imagine if this was white supremacists. These were examples that still would have been used against us today. Why we should be cur oh. curtailed and why we can't you know we shouldn't be allowed to speak, etc. Right. Yes, no, no question about it. Just the mendacity and the double standards are so clear that I think more and more people just can't help but see what's going on. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's uh, see here. I wanted to ask you, I guess that one of the last things we can go into here real quick, and you can be however short you want with this, uh, considering we're going over time here, but what do you think of the, the post-COVID uh, economy here, basically? We are... Uh, uh, looking at a situation where we have more Federal Reserve notes in circulation, maybe not than ever before, but something like 25 to 30 percent of the of the dollars flying around was just printed in the last um, year or year and a half or something like that. A lot of people are worried about inflation. A lot of people are worried about where this is going to go, potential crashes. And, and if something like this happened, uh, do you think it, it's something that we could be, well, use it to our advantage to a certain degree? Those are very big questions. Um, I'm not myself uh, a so-called accelerationist. There are people who think that the worse things suddenly become, then white people will somehow miraculously regain their sense of tribal racial loyalty and uh, Western civilization will arise from the ruins. Sometimes worse is just plain worse. Uh, now, it may be that a crisis, a really serious crisis in which the lights go out, which food deliveries stop, uh, maybe a crisis like that would in the end bring some kind of resurrection of racial consciousness. I don't know. I hope it does not come to that. And I sincerely <clears> hope <throat> that we can have a resurrection of racial consciousness that does not pass through that harrowing kind of fire. Now, whether or not something like that will happen, let's not forget that uh, in 2020, the U.S. economy did contract, but it contracted by only 3.5%. In terms of the overall economy, for the number of businesses that were shut down, the confinement, the stoppages, and, and a whole lot of small businesses did go, out of, did go out of business. For the economy to have ticked along in that manner with a shrinkage of only 3.5% is, is pretty damn remarkable. For a, for a country to have operated in that way. Now, something that boosted those GNP figures, of course, was this enormous borrowing and spending. To me, the biggest looming red light on the economy is this gigantic public debt. I think now the public debt in the United States come, works out to about $80,000 for every man, woman, and child in the country, legal or illegal, $80,000. There is simply no way that this is going to be paid out in 
ordinary ways. The taxes are just not going to be enough to do that. Spending we are addicted to, and taxes are not going to cover these deficits. So what eventually happens under these circumstances? The usual solution is inflation. Inflation, of course, eats up the savings. It, 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 it just devastates an economy. Will it come to that? I don't know. I studied economics long ago. I have a, I have a master's degree in international economics. But this is something that I think is a real looming crisis. If the Chinese yeah, suddenly yeah. decide that, you know, Uncle Sam's credit is not what we think it is. They stop buying our T-bills and we have to borrow, uh, borrow to co- roll over our debt at 15 percent, 18 percent. Already, interest interest payments are about fifteen uh, percent of the national budget. Imagine that that figure tripling. The national budget, forty five percent of the national budget, is debt service. That would be a catastrophe, and it's not unthinkable. And uh, we have all of those people up in Congress uh, to blame for this impending looming catastrophe, while the Democrats continue to spend money as if it grows on trees. Uh, I'm Again, I'm not an expert on these things, but it seems to me that eventually what goes up is going to have to come down. It's going to come down yeah, yeah. with a jarring thud. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And uh, I apologize if my mic has been low, too. I don't know, I'm not sure why it has been uh, low during the uh, uh, stream here, fellas. Thank you for letting me know, though. I just saw some of those messages on uh, on DLive. Everything is as it was. Uh, maybe one of the uh, kids got in and uh, low, you know, <laughs> twisted a knob or something. Sorry about that. I'll try to turn it up in post, uh, boys and girls. But thank you for letting me know. We're going to round up here shortly, of course. But uh, Jared, give us a reminder again, then, of what you're looking for when it comes to Amron, uh, your website, Amron.com, well, uh, for those who well, tuned in later. Yes, uh, I mentioned this at the beginning of the show, but uh, we've had a very successful series of people writing in to tell us how they woke up to racial reality. So many of us start off as liberals. I was uh, I was a miserable liberal that I was maybe 30 or 35 years old, I'm ashamed to say. I finally woke up. So you can too if you're not already awake. So the whole the stories that people have of how they shucked off all of the contemporary obligatory myths about egalitarianism and diversity and whites are wicked, these make fascinating reading. And I would love for some of your listeners, Henrik, to write to us. You can reach us at the Contact Us tab at amran.com, or you can write directly to our uh, special projects man, Chris Roberts, at roberts at amran.com. And you can either write us a story, maybe three, four hundred words, Longer, if need be, but we like really tight, carefully written stories about what it was that jarred you loose from the snares and illusions that we're all supposed to be captured by. And also, you can just send us a query. Is this sort of thing you're interested in? Something like that. But we love these stories, and we'd love to hear from Red Ice viewers. Uh, very good. Excellent. Yeah, thank you for that. So uh, tell us where people can find you. Obviously, Amarin.com is the best place. Everything is kind of linked up from there. Yes. But you have, you're on yes. BitChute. I think your podcast channel is on BitChute as well. You're on Telegram. Right. Uh, any other places you want to yeah. mention or give out those uh, addresses for people? Well, uh, BitChute, you can find us. Uh, BitChute's getting a little bit less clunky as time goes on. Uh, our yep. videos are there. Our podcasts are there. But really, Amran.com is the best place. that You can fan out from there to the various places that we post our videos and do our podcasts. Uh, Fantastic. But, uh, well, thank you, Hendrik, for an excellent interview. As always, I think you are the best in the business. If you had wanted to go mainstream, you could have been a big deal. You might have given uh, Rush Limbaugh a run for his money. So we're so glad that you 
have uh, uh, contributed your talents to what really matters and not to fighting with mushrooms. Yeah, definitely not. Well, yeah, thank you, Jared. Thank you so much for having me on. Of course, you bet. Always good to see you, Jared. Thank you so much. Uh, please take care. Keep up the good work, and uh, we'll have you back soon again, okay? Thanks so much. All right, take care. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, boys and girls, we'll uh, wrap up. Uh, thank you so much to Jared Taylor for joining us right there. I just want to quickly go, go through a couple of the uh, Super Chats that came in and make sure I mention those, and uh, then we're going to wrap up here. So tomorrow we're going to be back with No Go Zone, of course, uh, but then we also have – what do we have? We have um, – uh, let me see here. Let me do this real quick. We do have um, – uh, no flashback Friday on Friday because of the fact that we're going to move the studio once again here. And so we're we're taking a little bit of a break. Uh, let me just do this, guy. Sorry. Uh, let's see. Let's do that real quick. There we go. Okay. Um, sorry, in case uh, there's some uh, audio overlap or something like that. Uh, yeah, so tomorrow we'll be back with uh, No Go Zone as usual. And again, I apologize for my levels are being low. I have no idea why they're low. Uh, quite aggravating. I should have gone up with this a little bit sooner. Uh, it's... The levels have been so touchy, and as soon as I go up a little bit, there's been distortion. So that's the reason why I didn't even want to even mess with it during. So I'll have to do a sound check after this and see what happened here, uh, what the reason is why it's low. But I do apologize for that. I'll try to boost it in the archive version uh, so that you guys can tune in again. We had some uh, cutoffs as well, of course. The connection was lost like two or three times. So not sure what's going on. Hopefully the new location, the new studio location we're going to is better. Uh, and if not, we're going to do something about it because it's kind of unsustainable. Uh, but yeah, so no Flashback Friday, no Weekend Warrior, but then we'll see if we can be back for the next uh, No-Go Zone on Wednesday, potentially. Uh, that's what we're aiming for, barring any other kind of complications or issues or uh, connection uh, or internet ISP provider is late or something like that. Uh, we should be back for that No-Go Zone, uh, uh, at the very least, uh, the next Flashback Friday. So that's, uh, what date is that again? Uh, it is Wednesday 24th, uh, I think at the earliest, and I think hopefully... Uh, uh, the uh, March uh, 22nd, uh, 2026th, sorry, uh, at the latest, the Flashback Friday there. Uh, anyway, let me do a couple of these real quick, uh, boys and girls. Uh, Marty Leeds, I saw, donated a diamond over on DLive earlier. Thank you, Brad C., uh, as well, uh, who simply said, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, Hale, Jared Taylor with a uh, uh, ninja, ninja diamond, a diamond. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. Uh, very kind of you. Uh, Thomas Polis with a Ninja Guinea. Thank you. It says, great uh, great that we're getting interviews again. We missed them. Uh, I know no intention of not doing them. It's just uh, basically a uh, lot of other things in the way. But yeah, I have a, a long list of names of people I'd like to bring on and stuff. So we're going to uh, hit hit go back on that uh, as we're relocating the studio and kind of get back in the regular groove, groove if you will. Uh, Brad C. with another diamond. Thank you from earlier. Uh, Mess Kit with a diamond as well. Hookers, Hookster uh, with a diamond. Am Amron Bar Barther, maybe brother is supposed to say. I'm not sure, but thank you for the uh, the diamond. Uh, and I think we had a uh, Ninja Gini from Skags as well. Thank you, Brad C, with another diamond. Uh, right about everything. Also, diamond. Thank you to you for that. Uh, and yeah, Nordic Prince said, Henrik, your volume is low. So I'm just projecting like crazy here at the end to, to, to try to get through. I have no idea why. So I'll look into that. Do apologize. Uh, so sorry, Nordic Prince uh, says, uh, Henrik, turn up the volume, buddy, please. <laughs> sorry, I have to get like under the table and uh, mess with the preamp if I'm going to do it. So that's why like it's it's virtually impossible to do. I have to cut the stream or something and uh, test it again. Uh, very bizarre. Um, Grist, uh, Grist or Gris uh, 4T with a diamond. Thank you. Brad C with a uh, diamond again. And uh, uh, once another nudge from Nordic Prince. Uh, I do I do appreciate it, and I do apologize for that. I'll boost it uh, in the uh, archive version, so that's going to go up on BitChute here. Uh, also, Odyssey, Library, VK. I'll probably re-upload to VK. 
uh, Rumble, but of course you can also find it on redice.tv and redicemembers.com. All right, boys and girls, let me open the chest over on DLive. I appreciate that. Uh, it's fun to be back uh, being re-lemonized over there. We do uh, appreciate DLive for that. Uh, let me add a couple of more in the uh, in the chest there for you guys. So we have some lemons going back your way. All right, I have about 626. So distributing those, heads up. And thank you to everyone if there's someone uh, that uh, sent us something over on Trovo. Uh, I'm still a boomer on Trovo, and I just can't figure out all the... Uh, all the elixirs and, and all that kind of shit, but uh, I will do have to uh, do have to look into it, ladies and gentlemen. All right, um, I think that's it. Check out the latest Weekend Warrior if you haven't already. Uh, good show. We talked about this. Uh, that came up with uh, Jared here too regarding the crazy uh, attacks on uh, on Tucker by the uh, Department of Defense, the military, uh, because he dared to propose that it's uh, insane to have pregnant women fighting America's wars. Uh, they're going uh, absolutely nuts, these people, folks. All right, let's see DLive. Who do we have here? Nordic Warrior, number one. Thank you, sir. Karavkaki, number two. Mr. Ninja Berg, thank you for that, uh, Mr. Berg. Uh, he's on number three. Nordic Iron, number four. And Red Pilled Lady, number five. Thank you for that. And I also see a diamond from uh, H... Uh, who was it there? Uh, HP's, uh, HP Lovecraft's uh, cat. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. Okay, let's see if my uh, ending uh, outro works. If not, uh, there'll be another, uh, another thing I have to fix here. Uh, all right, boys and girls, thank you so much for joining us today. Do appreciate it. Hope you're all uh, staying well, uh, staying safe, and uh, keep fighting, keep uh, pushing back. Thank you for all the support. RedEyesMembers.com, of course. Get on over there, get a membership. We'll see you guys later. Take care.